Welcome to the Not Old Better Show business build-out interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by MD Hearing Aid. As we in the Not Old Better Show audience know well, age can be an advantage. And today, entrepreneurship isn't just for the young. Experts say that more adults over age 60 are starting their own businesses than ever before. And as a matter of fact, older adults are finding that starting a business can be the perfect way to turn a lifetime of experience into something meaningful, take control of their time, counter workplace ageism, and in some cases, make a lot of money. There are challenges, though, lots of them. But that's not surprising. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. One who has done it is our guest today, John Zapolsky. He's here today to talk about the myths of senior-related products, how to research senior opportunities, and how to motivate yourselves to doing what you love alongside people you respect in later life. John Zapolsky is the founder and CEO of Alive Ventures. As a serial social entrepreneur, John has long worked at the intersection of new ventures, philanthropy, design, and culture. John Sapolsky previously co-founded and led several new social purpose ventures, including Foundry 47 and Steam Carnival. John Zapolsky founded and created Alive Ventures to bring focus, creative energy, and new investment to the aspects of life worth looking forward to as we age. We're talking about how to design new products for the older age community, market opportunities in the older age demographic, and assumptions and misconceptions about building a startup targeted at older adults. What you think about this may be wrong, so stay tuned. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show business build-out interview series on radio and podcast, John Zapolsky. John Zapolsky, welcome to the program. Thanks, Paul. It's wonderful to be with you. It's good to be with you, too. We're talking on opposite coasts. You're West Coast. I'm East Coast. I hope you're well. Hope family's all well, that you've weathered our pandemic, uh, come out on the other end. I think we're kind of close to the other end. I, I hope that's the case, and I, and I hope every, all's well for you, John. Thanks. Yeah, I, I hope uh, so as well. Um, I think everybody's gone through uh, a lot of figuring things out over the last couple of years. Um, and I'm happy to say that, uh, well, you know, I certainly haven't figured everything out. Um, I do feel, you know, very grateful. Uh, I was, I got married last year and my wife and I oh, are congrats. expecting our first child. Now, oh so, my gosh. Uh, that's what's, what's been on our minds a lot. Oh, that's so wonderful, John. Congratulations to you, your wife. Thank you. Smiling ear to ear. My wife and I have two boys, and um, yeah, it's great. So congrats to you both. Thank you. Good to hear that all's well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, John, you, you've had this wonderful career, and, and soon you'll be a father. We'll, we'll talk, I think at some point, John, we'll talk about that in the future too. But for today, mm. I want to talk about this great career as an entrepreneur and as a designer and as an educator, because I, I, I want to talk about all those things, and I, and I do hope that you know we'll offer some education about some of this to, to my audience, because I think we all are thinking about, um, you know, our lives. This second act. Many and many of my audience are experiencing a second act. I certainly am myself. You're fo- focusing on senior products, products that might be designed specifically for the uh, over age 55, over age 60 community. Mm-hmm. You are a designer um, and this adult 
kind of market, those of us who are over 60, is is your focus. What is it about that market that um, that you see as an opportunity? Perhaps what's left lacking in the market right now? What needs to change? Maybe give us this grand kind of vision of, of yours. Mm. Yeah, well, I should say I, I'm relatively new to, um, to this focus. I didn't grow up uh, with the idea that uh, I was going to spend my career building products for older adults. Um, rather, I've spent most of my career focusing on really trying to create positive change um, at the intersection of social good or social impact, creating new ventures and innovation and culture. Um, and so I've worked in a lot of different sectors. I, I built a company that was uh, trying to create stability and prosperity in sub-Saharan Africa, for example. I also uh, built a company that was meant to inspire kids to engage with STEM education um, and be excited about the opportunities to invent using science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Um, But uh, several years ago, I connected with a Southern California-based foundation, a 501c3 called the SCAN Foundation. And uh, they were about I think 13 years old at that at that time, uh, medium-sized foundation, and their uh, mission is to help older adults age with dignity and independence. And um, I started being in conversation with the leadership there and their board um, because most of their work had focused on policy and in kind of healthcare delivery transformation. So they would do things like. Uh, work with Congress on what does Medicare pay for and not pay for, um, and what are some of the you know most needed services for older adults. Or they'd work with hospital large hospital systems to try to pr- promote more person-centered care. Um, and they did some very good work in, in those domains, but I think they had the recognition that so much of what actually shapes the day-to-day experience of being an older adult is you know not just those things, but it's what's available to you uh, every day in terms of the products that you you know can buy and use or the services that uh, you might want to engage with, and that by and large those were not very good. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting, um, and uh, the the foundation sort of asked the question: Is there anything that we can do in order to promote just better quality products and services, better quality companies? Um, to be made. And um, my first question back was what was for me a a really basic question as an entrepreneur, which is, well, what is it that older people really want? And uh, there were some answers to that, but I I found um, that there weren't really, you know, very clear or simple or or good answers, uh, in my opinion. There were a lot of thoughts about what do doctors wish they could get older people to stop doing, um, maybe so they'd be less expensive, or what do the adult children who are taking care of their parents really wish they could get, you know, mom to do more of? But not really a lot of understanding about, you know, what is it that older people want for themselves? And so I suggested that we start there um, because that seemed like, you know, this really missing space in the market. And so I spent most of 2019 traveling around the country, going to cities and suburbs and rural towns uh, across America and getting groups of older people together and just really finding some creative and fun ways to explore that question together. And um, I should say that, you know, this seems rather obvious in retrospect, but it wasn't obvious to me at the time. Um, And that's mostly what I learned is that older people 
pretty much want the same things that we've all wanted throughout most of our lives. Um, but that wasn't really what people who start companies think. Um, and so that by that, I mean, you know, we want interesting people to know and spend time with. We want uh, ways to discover or nurture more love and intimacy in our lives. We want ways to make continue to make a contribution to our families and our communities and society. We want ways to be empowered uh, in our health and our vitality um, rather than just sort of surrendering that all to you know a group of caretakers. And so um, just as sort of a creative entrepreneur, I felt like those sound like super interesting, good problems to to dive into. And I wonder why, you know, more people aren't thinking of it that way. Um, I sort of recognize that uh, a lot of thinking about, you know, delivering goods and services for older adults sort of reduces people down to these very functional set of needs that they perceive we have, like um, that we're going to be sick and frail and alone when we get older. And so, you know, solve for sick or, or solve for alone. But that's not how, you know, as three-dimensional human beings, we really think about it, you know, for ourselves. Um, and it's it's certainly not the way that I think people who create companies think about it if they were building for teenagers or for millennials. Um, and so I wanted to, I got just really excited to figure out, you know, what are some of the ways that I can bring more really talented entrepreneurs to this space and help them be excited about the opportunities to make beautiful, fun, easy to use products to build businesses that are, you know, every bit as successful as businesses that are built for younger people. Um, and to really, you know, find the value in connecting with people who have the most experience living um, and, you know, sort of learning about life that way in delivering products and services back that uh, help make life more enjoyable and, and more engaging. I love that question. What is it that older people want? It it does seem so simple on 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 its face, and um, yet I don't, I don't know how often it it is asked. And and perhaps the answers that you got were a bit obvious, but I I like this direction. The you know we do need love and intimacy. We do want to contribute. So knowing some of that, knowing what you learned and what you experienced, and and. Uh, all of those focus groups and that, those travels, how do you suggest we solve some of these needs creatively? Yeah, um, I think some of it is, you know, being willing to just be curious about the actual experience and desires of older people. So being willing to engage with that. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of marketers or a lot of entrepreneurs or product designers, some of what gets in the way is just they don't really know how to go and spend time with older people. It's sort of easy for them to figure out how to get a group of 20-somethings together and prototype an idea and get feedback on it. Um, but they don't really know how to get started often um, in getting groups of older people together and, and learning from them. So that's a big part of what we try to do with Alive Ventures, which is a startup studio. We have a community of um, several hundred older adults across the country um, who spend time with us every week, uh, letting us you know, ask questions, explore topics, get better at you know, seeing the world through their eyes. Um, and then try to do some actual you know, creative ideation with them uh, to come up with ideas 
of you know, what is it that something that would make you excited to be a user of or a, a customer of? Um, what would need to be true about that for you to want to tell your friends that uh, you found this new thing and you really love it? Um, and then to do the work of getting better at defining those and, and bringing those things to market. What does make for exciting, uh, you know, products? Who who are the companies that, that are doing this well uh, already? And then how are you taking some of what you've learned, some of these companies' success, and then bringing that to bear on what you're designing for uh, the older marketplace. Yeah. Well, I should say that, you know, one thing that that I notice is quite different when people talk about creating for older adults is that we tend to have a very monolithic definition of who an older adult is that by and large just isn't true for other demographics. Um, it's pretty easy to understand that, you know, somebody who's 64 and uh, maybe lives in a big city is pretty different, likely, from somebody who's 90 and uh, and lives in an exurban town. Um, and yet we try to we usually think of those people as the same in our imagination, which we would never do if we were talking about, you know, a 23 year old young urban professional uh, versus a 45 year old soccer mom, um, you know, living in a suburb. And so. Um, when we say, you know, who does it? Well, <clears throat> I think it's about, you know, trying to think about particular types of older adults and particular types of needs um, in particular categories uh, that um, help us think about, you know, what what good even really looks like in those scenarios. I'm a little bit sad to say I think there, you know, aren't a lot of companies out there to point at that are doing it great. Um, but there's more progress on these fronts. Um, there's a, a health and beauty brand, for example, called Ilia, which um, I think is doing some really good work in that, you know, most health and beauty brands are really um, have a story about anti-aging and preventing people from getting older rather than um, like accepting the age that you're at and maybe even being proud of the age that you're at uh, and knowing that, you know, beauty doesn't mean denying who you are and, and trying to look younger, but actually embracing who you are. Um, and so I think they've, they've done some good work around that. Um, from a marketing standpoint, too, I, I have to say, you know, Airbnb has this new campaign um, that is, you know, based on the idea of, of hosts. Um, and uh, they've had a, a couple of uh, commercials and segments that they've come out that just show older couples, you know, using an Airbnb and having a vacation experience um, that's really human. You know, that's not about the fact that they're defined by their age. Um, that's just, you know, shows them being loving and being engaged and in, in enjoying this experience that they're having on, on vacation um, rather than othering them. Um, so I'm, that, I like that very much as well. Yeah. I, one of the things that I've noticed about Airbnb is they have this intergenerational uh, campaign. And and I, I think families play this enormous role, especially for um, those of us in kind of the older uh, cohort, the older uh, age group. Uh, you know, we do think in, in terms of it taking a village, you know, Hillary Clinton's famous saying, I think it's crucial in these times too with busy families that uh, grandparents step in and, and have a role certainly helping, you know, families raise children mm -hmm. 
you talk a little bit about this subject and you, you, you talk a little bit about age diversity and there's certainly a definition of that in the in kind of the workplace, but but I think it's it's a little bit different than in your own thinking, at least as as you apply it. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the subject of multi-generational families and aging and the importance of that. Yeah, well I know that um you know, and this is probably not surprising if, if anyone takes more than a second to think about it. Uh, most older people don't like being primarily defined by their age or sort of segregated off into <clears throat> just things to do when you're old um, any more than, you know, other uh, kind of categories that we create for people um, make them feel good about strictly being defined that way. Um, and so, you know, for the most part, I think the older people that we're in conversation with, um, you know, they're really busy living their lives and trying to be engaged and have a perspective that there's a lot still to be learned from younger people. There are things that I think younger people can learn from me that make me feel good about, you know, being valued for. Um, and there's even people older than me that, you know, I still have a lot to learn from. Uh, and I think creating more of those opportunities make a lot of sense. It goes against the grain a little bit in how we often provision services uh, today um, in our society, but um, I don't think it needs to be that way. It's not It's not really a, a natural law. It's sort of more a conspiracy of um, maybe the way that, that marketers and people who run companies have decided to to go out and make it that way. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of social trends also going on right now. Uh, people a lot smarter than me have written about fragmentation in society and um, part, in particular the ideas that in America compared to some other cultures, we don't tend to value our elders as much, you know, or to engage them as much. And I think uh, a lot of people in this country feel that. Um, and they really feel the benefits of uh, being able to recognize that you know, there are seasons to life and that there are benefits that you know, come from having certain kinds of living situations that are only available to you probably when you're older um, and certain kinds of attitudes and, and perspectives that tend to be more common among younger people um, and making that one plus one equal three by, by being able to put them together. Hi, it's Paul. Hey, you guys all know that I am, I'm always really upbeat, positive, you know, the glass half full kind of guy. And I'm certainly very pleased with our sponsor, MD Hearing Aid. It's when I think about hearing, you know, the act of hearing someone talk that makes me cross. This exact thing happened just the other night while out to dinner with Gretchen. We were at a loud restaurant and I could not hear our dinner companions. Drove me nuts. Not hearing conversation is a wet blanket on a great evening. Like many in our Not Old Better Show audience, hearing is crucial. Experts, as a matter of fact, say that hearing loss leads to loss of socialization, something we talk about all the time here on the Not Old Better Show. My dad lost his hearing and it was painful for all of us, but mainly him. He bought hearing aids, paid a lot of money for them, and wasn't satisfied, which led to him becoming very isolated. A lot of people buy hearing aids, and as a matter of fact, did you know that 9 out of 10 people still 
buy hearing aids from clinics and pay $5,000 plus, even though much more affordable options exist. That's where our sponsor, MD Hearing Aid, comes in. You got to check out MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid is an FDA-registered rechargeable hearing aid that costs a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost. MD Hearing Aid's Volt Plus model costs over 80% less than clinic hearing aids. Hearing aids require clinic-level care for the best results. Clinic-level care comes from licensed hearing professionals. MD Hearing Aid brings clinic-level care right to you via telemedicine from doctors and licensed hearing professionals. MD Hearing Aid was founded by an ENT surgeon who saw how many of his patients needed hearing aids but couldn't afford them. He made it his mission to develop a quality hearing aid that anyone could afford. If you forget to take your hearing aids off in the shower, not to worry. The Volt Plus is water-resistant in up to three feet of water. Plus, it's rechargeable with battery life that lasts up to 30 hours. So how do they make their hearing aids for a fraction of the cost for a clinic-level hearing aid? Since about 95% of the people who need a hearing aid only require a few settings, MD Hearing Aid simplified the need for certain components not needed by most people. Plus, they cut out the price hiking middleman. MD Hearing Aid has brought affordable hearing to over 600,000 satisfied customers. You in the Not Old Better Show audience can be one of them. And they offer right now to our Not Old Better Show audience a 45-day risk-free trial with a 100% money-back guarantee so you can buy with confidence. So get clinic-level care for 80% less with MD Hearing Aid. Go to mdhearingaid.com, use the promo code NOB to get their new buy one, get one, $149 each when you buy a pair deal. Plus, they are adding a free extra charging case, which is a $100 value. This is awesome. This is just for listeners of the Not Old Better Show. So head to mdhearing.com and use our promo code NOB and get their new buy one, get one, $149 each when you buy a pair deal. I know you can hear me. I just know it. But in case, check out MD Hearing Aid and support our sponsor. Thanks, everybody. We are with John Sapolsky. John Sapolsky is an entrepreneur, a designer, an educator, and is founder of Alive Ventures, a design studio that focuses on senior products, senior design, the senior adult market, and a lot more. We're talking today with John about the senior market. And, and John, I use the word senior and older adult, but maybe maybe many of my audience might view these names as um, – you know, labels perhaps, and and maybe not the best. What do you recommend in particular? How how are you offering strategy to company around this uh, around this subject and these names in this stage of their lives? Gosh, I, I wish I really had a better answer. Um, we tend to, to use the term older adult uh, or seniors also. Um, we've sort of found though that that's like the least bad, uh, rather than you know something that. Uh, we love ourselves using or that, you know, members of our community uh, love in terms of referring to themselves. Um, there's a lot of words out there. Elder, some, some people prefer um, the elderly. Generally, most people don't like because that 
you know, sticks in our imagination as connoting um, a lot of deficits rather than a lot of benefits. Um, and so, you know, I, I like to think of people who have lived longer as being more experienced at life uh, and be really curious about all of the assets and perspectives that that's brought to them, um, having all of that experience. Um, and so not use labels that diminish that or, or frame them in a way that um, just makes us look at, at, at them as fundamentally lacking something, um, but rather some, possessing something um, that we should all aspire to. John, I've read that you say that getting older is something to look forward to. And I think for my audience, that will really come as a breath of fresh air, especially from someone who wants to understand this market and is uh, leading other companies uh, directly to them, to to our, our older uh, community of, of audience. I definitely have had our audience say to me, you know, time is on my side. And I, I wonder why is that sentiment, you know, time is on my side as well as, you know, getting older is something to look forward to. Why, why is that sentiment important to aging? Why is it important to you? And um, perhaps in my opinion, <laughs> maybe this should be more front and center to society right now concerning aging, philosophy, policy, and, uh, you know, kind of uh, other other practices of outreach. Yeah. Well, I guess to me, it seems a little bit unnatural, doesn't it? To think that um, we shouldn't look forward to getting older. I mean, when it comes to, to other times in life, usually when we're kids, we might enjoy being kids, but we're looking forward to maybe turning 16 and, and being able to get a license and drive a car and the freedom that comes along with that. Or, uh, getting old enough to to move away to college or to start our own families. Uh, and then we look forward to being older and more experienced in our jobs and <clears throat> having more opportunity that comes along with that. And then all of a sudden we treat, you know, in a, a certain age that is, you know, often arbitrarily defined, uh, like it's 65 or something like that. And that's the time when we can only look back, like the rest of our life isn't ahead of us. Even though that for many of us, you know, we still have 20 or 30 years more to, to live. Um, and so why wouldn't we look forward to all of the things that we can do during that time, uh, all of the ways that we might grow? I do understand that there, you know, are, um, uh, certain things like, you know, the decline of certain physical abilities that happen when we're older, and, and maybe that's what people are trying to stave off. Um, but there's also a lot of advance in self-understanding. Uh, you know, I, I um, personally, as a sort of middle-aged, soon-to-be father, um, who's often sort of juggling, you know, all these time demands and in, in trying to figure out you know, how do I keep my priorities straight? I really admire getting to spend time with the older people that, that I get to talk to and just how good they are at having edited out the things that don't matter. You know, there's uh, a lot less tolerance for uh, crap <laughs> that, uh, you know, maybe when they were younger, they would have done because somebody told them they were supposed to. And now there's a real understanding of like, no, I, I actually don't like that. I, I know what I like and I know who I am and I'm not trying to convince you of anything and I'm not trying to be, you know, any more important than, uh, than I am for, for what I've actually done and who I actually love and I'm in relationship with. Um, and I think, you know, the chance to really have enough experience 
where you understand those things, you know, where you've gotten to try things out and you know, um, no, this is something I, I really do truly like for me uh, and not because I'm trying to say something about me uh, to someone else. Um, that just seems like a, a really nice thing to age into. And it's something that I think it's, it's hard to really develop abstractly just by thinking about it. You sort of have to have to have the time to try things out and experience it and, and know um, what really gives you a sense of satisfaction, what really sparks your imagination, what really makes you want to move towards somebody instead of, you know, away from somebody. I do get a fair bit of, of email. This this interview, uh, John Zabolski, will generate a, a fair bit of interview uh, interest and uh, engagement with our audience. And I think I think our audience wants to think of themselves as engaged, as as you suggested earlier. I think we also view ourselves as productive and and just as you reference Elia, the beauty brand, you know, kind of not denying who you are, but kind of embracing it. I think we we probably don't necessarily want to be viewed as younger. And so how do we translate some of that language into market needs, um, you know, and, and products as you, you know, begin to, you know, give advice to companies about this age group? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, again, I think that uh, a lot of that comes from uh, two sides. Uh, older adults being willing to sort of demand more of the things that they buy, use, promote, um, and um, to make that voice heard that the you know older people deserve to be represented as fully three-dimensional human beings, uh, not just as a uh, collection of deficits that are occurring to you. Um, and to be able to you know, feel confident in that voice, um, to feel confident that uh, they deserve every bit as much creativity and innovation uh, as is being you know, given to, to younger audiences. Younger audiences, by the way, who tend to have not nearly as much uh, spending power as a lot of older adults, even those on, on a fixed income, <clears throat> um, and not nearly as much discernment about maybe what they choose to engage with or, or to buy. So I think that's a big part of it. <clears throat> I think the other part, and you can look at this just as sort of a ruthless capitalist if, if you want to, is that you know that represents for businesses an enormous amount of growth opportunity um, that, you know, as the economy continues to expand and companies get larger and larger and you know try more and more products it's tough to find new places to grow uh, new audiences to serve um, so you have this massive population who by and large is you know dissatisfied with what's out there for them demanding better stuff and uh, i think if you're a smart business person figuring out what that means and and how to make uh you know products, how to make advertising campaigns, how to make uh, stories that really feel true and authentic and engaging to what older adults want. It just makes good business sense. John, you mentioned earlier focus groups that you'd attended, that you'd organized. I, I wonder, is Alive Ventures looking for some additional support? How can my audience get involved to help shape this narrative on aging and particular products associated and directed at, targeted at the 
aging community? Yeah, well, we would love to, to be in conversation with more of your audience. Um, and there are several ways to get involved with us at Alive Ventures. Um, so we have um, a community of older adults that we talk with pretty regularly uh, in different ways. And so people can go to joinalive.co, J-O-I-N-A-L-I-V-E dot C-O. Um, and that's an online community that they can join. Um, we don't ask a lot, uh, like too much detailed information there. Um, and we don't ever, you know, sell anybody's information, but it's really a community of older adults being able that we help facilitate talking to one another and talking to us, um, sometimes about particular topics that we want to explore, like maybe dating when you're older, um, and sometimes just sort of more, more general discussion. And then we also have what we call an elder advisory committee. And um, that's for older adults who are willing to uh, raise their hand and be a little bit more engaged with us more, more frequently. And so we meet uh, with our various elder advisory committees at least once a week. Uh, and they're um, giving us ideas for new companies that we're thinking of developing. Uh, they give feedback to the entrepreneurs that we work with on, you know, early prototypes of ideas, on uh, brand and expression of the companies that we're trying to create. Um, and um, we try to keep those conversations pretty fun and engaging for them. Um, but we're, you know, obviously really interested in, in unvarnished feedback too. And, and we've just learned so much from uh, from that community being willing to you know, tell us what they really think. Um, and certainly I think our, our products have gotten better and the entrepreneurs that we work with have really appreciated it. That's great. John Sapolsky has been our guest today. Again, John Sapolsky is founder of Alive Ventures. We'll put links up to where our audience can find out more about John Sapolsky and Alive Ventures. Um, my thanks, John Sapolsky, for being so generous with your time. I, I have learned a lot. Uh, congratulations again on your uh, status as a soon-to-be new dad. I think that's wonderful. I think some of the best advice I ever got um, as I was becoming a father was to talk uh, to my child as often as I could. And, and I'm a talker, but we appreciate your mm. talking to us. So <laughs> thank you. You're on your way already to be a great dad. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Paul, for the advice. And it was a real privilege to just be in conversation with you and your audience. So well, thank you. thank you again, Sean. We'd love to have you back to it. And again, best to you all. My thanks to MD Hearing Aid for sponsoring today's show. Please support our sponsors and learn more at our website, notold-better.com. My thanks to John Zapolsky for his generous time, expertise, and inspiration. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, be kind to one another, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.